Well, what's up, 2911? We are so excited of what God's doing around the world and just to be a part of it, okay? Because God's not here doing great stuff just in Gardendale, but in Europe, Asia, the Middle East, et cetera, God's doing amazing things. And it's just, to be, it's just exciting to be a part of it. Well, uh, like Pastor said, there's so many new faces, so I haven't had a chance to meet you yet. I apologize. We haven't been here very much. We have a lot going on. Uh, we've had some Italians come with us this time. It feels so weird having you guys so far away. I'm used to you guys being closer. I want to jump down off the stage. Okay. So it's been amazing having Italians here with us this time. We've had three Italians, one Pakistani, uh, and they've just been enjoying church like 2911. Awesome stuff. And so every time my Italians come, I have to try to explain some things. Like, for instance, Walmart is literally that size. You know, it's, it's, it's that big, you know. Or taking the river chase, you know. It's like, yes, this mall is the size of a city in Italy, you know. And so things are so much bigger. You know, you sit down and eat a hamburger, and a hamburger is huge, you know? And so there's so many things here that it's so much bigger than the rest of the world. And oftentimes, I chuckle uh, when I bring Italians here or foreigners here to the States because I have to explain cars and homes and everything is so much bigger here than in the rest of the world. And it reminds me of a joke. Can I tell you a joke this morning? Is that cool? We can laugh in church. All right. So it's this famous joke in Italy, all right? So you guys get a chance to, to learn this famous joke in Italy. So this American, he decides he's going to go on vacation. He's going to go to Italy, right? So he goes to Italy. He's seeing everything, and everything is just so much smaller than it is here in America. Everybody said, ever seen a 500, you know, a Fiat 500? So cars are smaller, and supermarkets are smaller. Houses are smaller. Everything just seems to be so small. So he's just making his way around, looking at all these small things, thinking, man, it's just so much tighter here. Roads are smaller. Everything is just smaller. He makes his way into a supermarket. And why is it a supermarket? He's just looking around. He's like, this supermarket is so small. There's not even a great selection of all the things in here. In America, we have this. In America, we have that. And he comes across this Italian guy working in the produce section. So he gets up close to this guy says hello, hoping this guy's going to speak English. He says hello back. He's thinking, hey, I've got it. This guy speaks English. So he's like, listen, listen, I've got some questions for you. I've been looking around your store and stuff like that. And this prideful American says, listen, he looks at one of the produce. He said, hey, what's this right here? He points to the carrots. He said, what's this right here? And the Italian guy says, you don't know what carrots are? You know, guys don't have carrots in America, you know? He's like, they're, they're carrots. And this American says, carrots, these are carrots this small? In America, we've got carrots that are huge. This Italian guy is starting to get frustrated. He's heard these things before. So, so he puts his head down, goes back to work, hoping this guy is going to go away. He doesn't go away. He's still looking around the produce section. And so he looks at something else, and he, he nudges the guy again. He says, listen, listen, I have another question. And the guy says, okay, what's your question? Hey, what's this right here? He points to the zucchini. And the Italian guy says, you don't have zucchini in America? What do you mean? This is zucchini. Zucchini, the American says. Man, let me tell you. In America, the zucchini is huge. This is what you have here, little zucchini like this? By this time, the Italian has had it. He's like, I don't want to talk to this American anymore. I am completely frustrated by these questions. So the, the Italian guy purposely walks away, goes to another part of the produce section. Well, the American guy doesn't give up. He's on a roll now. And so he, uh, he finds something else to ask about, goes to the Italian guy and says, listen, I got one more question. I'll let you go, right? 
And so the Italian guy's like, okay, one more question. I, I, can, I can endure one more question. So the guy, the American guy, looks at these watermelon. He says, hey, what are these? The Italian guy's thinking, okay, I'm going to give it to him. So, so the Italian guy walks up to the American guy, sticks his chest out, stands up straight, has a huge smile on his face. He said, well, let me tell you about these here. These are what we call in Italy peas, <laughs> the size of watermelons. So you can imagine the American guy going back home telling everybody in America that peas in Italy are about this big around. So, but this sermon series is much like this Italian joke. I am God's plan. You say, Mark, how does that go together? Life is more than just perspective. And what we have to do is actually define what life is. We have to define who I am in Christ because it is more than just a perspective. It's not just how I look at life, but the question is, what is life? Incredible question. We have an Italian guy. You guys ready for another story? I'll give you another story. Okay. So we have an Italian guy in Italy with us, and this guy has an incredible testimony, okay? His name is Giovanni Pizzaia. Again, it's Giovanni Pizzaia. We call him Johnny for short, okay? And so one day we went out to eat with Johnny, and we sat down eating pizza together, and he begins to tell me his testimony. And boy, was I ever blown away, okay? So sitting down with Johnny, hearing his testimony, he said, yeah, Mark, I was dead once. You were, what was that again? You were dead once. Tell me that. You got to, you got to unpack this for me. Help me understand what you're talking about. And so he said, yeah, I was dead once. Really? How long were you dead for? Oh, about 25 hours. Run this by me again. Help me understand. You were dead for 25 hours. How did that happen? So he began to explain to me that when he was just a young teenager, okay, he was down in Naples. And in Italy, what your grandfather did, your father did is what you end up doing uh, in work oftentimes. And so his grandfather worked on cars, his dad worked on cars, and so he worked on cars and had this incredible passion on working on cars. Well, mom and dad were away. He's in there filling with the cars with the door shut with the engine open or with the engine on. So with the engine on, takes all the oxygen out of the air, only carbon dioxide left in the air, he passes out on the concrete floor of his dad's shop. So He's, he's fainted. He's passed out. No one's there to get him, to remove him from, from the garage. And so he ends up passing away right there on the concrete floor. Mom and dad get home, see the lights on in the garage, want to go see how little Johnny is doing. Johnny is found dead on the floor of his dad's garage. So the next part's quite interesting because Johnny begins to tell me how he had actually went through the proverbial tunnel to heaven. I mean, explain this to me, Johnny, because I haven't been there yet. I don't, you guys have been there? I haven't been there yet, okay? So explain to me how this journey was. Tell me what it was all about. And so he begins to tell me that I went through this long tunnel and so forth, so on. And then I arrived in heaven. There was music and everything was beautiful. And I went before this massive presence. Okay, interesting, great testimony. So he said, I went before this massive pre presence and it spoke to me. I said, what did it say? What did God say to you? He said, God said to me, go back. 
He said, I did an about face and went straight back the same direction I came from. He said, I want to hold on to the walls or anything else like that to try to stay there. He said, but I couldn't. Whatever God said, I had to do. So he goes back. He said, now, again, dead 25 hours, okay? So now he's coming back. He sees Naples. He starts to see the hospital and different things like that. They put his body in the morgue under the hospital, okay? So he's now... Cool story, right? Okay, so now he's coming, he's coming back through the hospital. He's there in the morgue, okay? Workers there and everything else like that. So he's in the morgue. He's looking face to face at his body. He said he feels his hand on his back and it pushes him. And as soon as it pushed him, he heard a pop. So of course he wanted to find out what was going on. He didn't realize he was sitting up because he was back in his body, and everybody who was working in the morgue that day split in every direction possible. <laughs> he said, he, said that he had to wait for a while because he had to gain their courage to come back to see if he was okay. What is the definition of life? Giovanni, our friend Johnny, thought life was being passionate about cars. Johnny thought it was life was being passionate about being a youth, being passionate about being Italian, being a passionate about this or being passionate about that. And in one split second, he realized how to define life. That life was actually from an eternal perspective, not from an earthly one. And that perspective changes drastically when we begin to define what life really is. Amazing. Because again, life is just not how we look at it, it's how we define it and live it. Let's look at three points. We've got scriptures. First one, Psalms 96.3. Because we want to make this thing practical, okay? We want to be able to live out this life and life abundantly that Jesus gave us. We look in the Old Testament in Psalm 96.3, it says, declare God's glory among the nations, declare his wondrous works among the people. And so God's will from the creation of the world, okay, was that we would know and be in relationship with God. He created Israel for the sole purpose that they would be a light, an example, a testimony to all the nations. But watch this here. Before Jesus ever stepped on the scene, he tells them, this is what I want you to do. Declare. So God's telling them, listen, I want you to pronounce, I want you to declare God's glory among the nations. Declare his wondrous works among the people. Let's look at Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and we're going to see something radically different. Same message, radically different. He says, rather, you receive power when the Holy Spirit has come, God living in us, upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Look at this. Psalm 96.3, God says, this is what I want you to do. Go and declare. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, after Jesus has stepped on the scene, died for our sins of all mankind and resurrected, he said, this is what you will be. Life is not what we should be. Life is who we are in Christ. Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 5, Matthew, first book of the New Testament. He said, listen, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, you are the light of the world. Not you should be or this is what I want you to work towards. He said, no, 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 no. I want to help to define who you are. You are the light of the world. 
You are a city on a hill for every man to see. You are. Defining who you are, defining what life is. I can never live the life. I can never be the example. I can never understand the will of God unless I first understand how to define this thing called life. I am God's plan. God does not have a plan B to save the world. You're it. I'm it. You know how humbling it was to be in prayer one day? And here, Italians are praying, okay? Churches there are broken. Churches, people are wounded. The church is incredibly, incredibly small. They're crying out to God, God, please do something. God, please help us. And God speaks to a couple in Mississippi. Hey, Mark and Shana, I want you to go and be the answer to their prayers. Do you know how many people in Gardendale, even today, their hearts are yearning for God to do something. Their hearts, their lives, their families in a disarray, and they're asking God for help, and he's put you right next to them at work. He's put you right next to them in your neighborhood. He's put you right next to them in the Walmart line. He's put you right next to them. You are the answer to their prayers. God in you. I am the answer to a praying nation. Not me by myself. It's not self-righteousness. But it's what God is in me. I am. You are the light of the world. I am, you are, a city on a hill for all men to see. You are, I am, witnesses to this nation, every nation of the earth. This is who we are. I am God's plan, and he has no plan B. Prayer is never a substitute for what you and I are called to do, and we're called to live in action. Point number two. Let's look at two. We'll keep going to the quotes. Point number two is just simply, God wants us to live this life in action. Life that has no action is called death. Very simple. Just like Johnny in a, in a, in a morgue in Italy, Naples, Italy, when he was lifeless, there was no life. Life always has movement, and God has called us to action. We'll look at William, William Carey's quote. Sorry, guys. William Carey, this incredible missionary to India, and this is what he says. He says, to know the will of God. Who wants to know what God's will is, right? I want to know what God's will is. Hey, listen, if you want to know the will of God, he said, do two things. Number one, open up a Bible. And number two, open up a map. Number one, I want to know what God's will is. Number two, I want to know how to live it out, okay? Let's look at the next quote, guys. Ralph Winter studies missions around the world. He says, the Bible is not a basis of missions. It doesn't tell us to do missions, okay? But missions is the basis of the Bible. The whole reason that you and I have a book called the Bible is because God has been reaching out to mankind from the beginning. And God has called us, you and I, to partner with him to see this world radically transformed. Radically transformed. Point number three, very practical ways to live it out. Number one, let's look at number one again. Number one, help me define life. I need to know what life is. If I am God's plan, 
If I am God's answer to prayer for other people, how am I to find life? Number two, put everything in action. Guys, we have an incredible way. I use your example as a church in Italy, Wales, and in Pakistan, okay? Guess what? If you've never been a part of a small group, great way to participate, to put life into action, okay? And you might say, listen, Mark, I tried that small group thing. It really didn't work out for me. Great, you're the next leader. Start a small group. Reach your neighborhood. Invite your coworkers. Because this thing is not about just Sunday morning feel goods. Man, this thing is about transforming the world at any cost. At any cost. Not part of a small group? Great. Start one. Be a part of one. Not part of a serve team? Guys, we talked about this morning. How can we participate? How can we live this thing out? Have you ever felt empty? Ever felt aimless? Ever felt like your life didn't matter for anything? It's not until you live it out that you're going to find the joy and the peace and the satisfaction of living out the life that God's called you to live. It's awesome, guys. Action. God's called us not just to belief, but a belief that produces action. Young couple, me, I got saved in August 1997. Had no idea what the Bible was. I thought John 3.16 was a room in the church. You know how the rooms are numbered, okay? I thought Christ was Jesus' last name. I had no idea, okay? Except Christ is my Lord and Savior, man. Just start reading the Bible. I know what to do. I just handed a Bible. I started reading this thing. Because as soon as I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior, everything transformed inside of my life. So I started reading this Bible, and I see Jesus ministering to prostitutes and and drunkards and so forth. So what did I do? I just followed the Bible. So I'm thinking, hey, I used to party in all the best nightclubs. I know where everybody goes. So I would go just share the gospel with people, see people radically saved, transform right there. I would find the toughest places that I could go. I would go down Division Street in Biloxi, Mississippi. I was stationed in the Air Force for eight years. Division Street, Biloxi, Mississippi, gangbangers, drug dealers, you name it. That's where I was. A life that produces action. Why? Because those people needed Jesus, just like I did. Those people didn't know, just like I didn't know. And they needed somebody, just like I needed somebody, just to go out and reach them, just to go out and tell them, hey, listen, there's a better way. Hey, listen, come with me. Guys, I would just play pool with people. I would. The anointing would come on me, and I would win every single time. It's true. It's true. It sounds crazy, but it's true. And so people will want to, to gamble with me because I would be so good at shooting pool, right? And so they would want to put money down. Guys, you can use anything just to reach people, right? So they would want to put money down to play pool. So I was like, sure, that's how much you want to play for? And they're like, listen, 500, 1,000, how much you want to play for? I'm like, listen, you got to go big stakes. You got to go bigger than that. Like, how much are you talking about? Five grand, 10 grand, how much you want to put on a game of pool? And I said, your soul. My soul? Are you a Satan worshiper? Who are you? I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm just a guy who accepted Jesus. He transformed my life. He can transform yours as well. If I win this game, you come to church with me. And I brought people to church by the droves. Accepting Christ one right after another. I didn't know any better. 
Guys, all I did was just pick up a Bible and read it. I didn't have a theological background. I didn't go to seminary. I didn't know anything. All I knew was that Jesus did something. I had to do something. That Jesus saved me and he had to save other people. That Jesus wanted to use me to reach people and I had to be used. I had to give myself over to be used by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Guys, this thing is real. Third action step. Guys, oftentimes we get discouraged. Okay, I've heard the best definition of discouragement I've ever heard two days ago. I said, guys, oftentimes discouragement is like you getting a hole in one tire and slashing the other three because you got a hole in one. You know, sometimes we've tried to, to, for instance, lead a small group. Sometimes we've tried to reach out to people, coworker, family member, and so forth, just to have the door slammed in our face. Circumstances never redefine life. And circumstances never redefine what God's will is. You want to look at circumstances? Let's look at my circumstances. Let's look at these statistics, guys. Europe, okay? Europe is the least evangelized continent in the world. Let me break that down to you. Where we minister is near Venice. Sounds like we're on vacation. It's not, okay? Where we minister is near Venice. In that area, they say statistically, it's one hundredth of one percent of the people to raise their hand and say, I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. We have eight Christians in our entire town the size of Gardendale. Two satanic churches and two Muslim mosques. Size of Gardendale. Europe, out of 750 million people in Europe, less than 4% will raise their hand and say, I've accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. That's double, more than double the population in the United States. One continent. Europe has some of the highest percentages of atheists in the world. There's billboards everywhere of people not believing in God. Europe has some of the highest suicide rates in the world. A city near us, Monte Belluna, okay? And there's a city near us, and they have the highest suicide rates in all of Europe. People jumping off bridges, jumping off trains, and so forth, okay? 85% of Germans have no hope for the future whatsoever. Same thing for Italians. 80% of the French have never read, held, or even seen a Bible in their life. 80% of the population in France. I could be the first one here today and say, listen, that's some discouraging news. Missionaries. Over 90% of missionaries in Italy drop out in two to five years. It's considered a missionary graveyard. So guys, I can use all the circumstances, all the statistics, all the reasons why not to do what we do. It would be so much easier for me to live here, work a nine-to-five job, and come to church 2011. Wonderful church, wonderful pastor, great area, I could do it today. I could. That's not what I'm called to do. I'm called to transform this world. I'm called to transform lives because there's people just like me out there who never heard the gospel. There's people out there who are hurting just like I was hurting. Yeah, I had the bad attitude, crazy hair, crazy music, Marilyn Manson craziness going on, okay? I was that guy. And I just needed one person who would love me one person to reach out to me 
I heard a, a great testimony at Highlands here recently. You guys have those great cards as well that you guys hand out, just paying for the person behind you, you know, in the, in the drive-thru at Chick-fil-A, wherever you're at. And there's a lady who decided she was going to commit suicide here locally. And she was going to buy her last meal before she did it. And there was a person in front of her who had one of these cards that said, listen, God loves you. I just want to bless you. I just want to love you like God loves you and paid for her meal. By the time that she came up to pick up her meal, she received this card and it radically transformed her entire life. Seven dollars transformed her life and saved her. Seven dollars. Action. This gospel is a gospel of action, guys. I know I've been stressing it, but I can't stress it enough that you and I have been called in this thing not just to go to heaven when we're done, but this thing is to get as many people as possible with us because eternity is real. Giovanni, Johnny Pizzai had realized in a split second that eternity was real, that it wasn't just a perspective of watermelon and peas, that, man, this life is real and eternity is real, and I have to work diligently, like the dream team here, I have to work diligently to transform every single person that I can possibly reach in a lifetime. Amen? Guys, this is what we're doing in Europe. This is what we're doing in Pakistan now. We are partnering with churches, starting churches, revamping churches to look much like you guys, small groups, dream team, everybody knowing what their gift, talents, and abilities that God has given them to be, plugging in, knowing who they are, reaching their city, inviting their lost loved ones, and seeing community and towns and cities transformed. That's our calling, guys. We're supposed to be reaching the world for Jesus. Amen? Pastor.